Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. <laughs> do, do you keep your microphone in some kind of a holster or a sheath? Yeah. Oh. No, I, I put it on the... Um, I, put it on a whoosh, the I, I don't know if the listener can hear this, but just... Uh, just I mean, this is not the show. Of course it is. Um, I just hear kind of a whooshing sound sometimes, like, mm-hmm. you're, like you're unsheathing your instrument. My uh, microphone is kept here on the arm of the sofa. And uh, so it sits. It sits like this, uh-huh. and then just like Johnny Cash. And, and then when I pick it up, I sometimes have to get it. You know, it's it's not oriented correctly. So John, are you holding it? Are you holding it in one of your hands while you're talking? Yeah. <clears throat> For a long time, I had a mic stand, like a tabletop mic stand. Yeah. Uh, but then I I realized I just held it in my hand. Oh. And so, then I just took the mic stand off because it's a lot heavier than just holding the microphone but as you know an sm7 it, it doesn't have a hand it's not really no. a handle you should get one of those uh like a freddie mercury stick yeah remember Freddy, that like in yeah, the mid 70s mic stand. well yeah our listeners probably won't remember this but um but freddie mercury the singer from queen probably the greatest rock singer of all time mm-hmm. he would do he would do a thing uh, especially in the mid 70s and into the we are the champions era where he would have the microphone in in a stand like thing but yeah. i want to say it was almost like if you ever like screwed up and pulled the top out of a mic stand but it had a it stick was. that extended so you could do that you could still do mic stand moves you could still do mic in one hand moves you could even fling the the, the freddy the freddy stick you know away mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if it, if you like needed it in the moment i'm not going to google for it but one of the things i heavily there's so many things i associate with jonestown and one of the things, I, this might have come from the, um, the, uh, the TV movie, but you know, you see those photos of Jim Jones when he's sitting in that big, like a wicker chair, like, like a yes. throne. I think it had yeah. a sign over it or something, but I feel like, if, at least in my head, I know, I, on TV and something, I've seen photos of Jim Jones wearing the very dark shades, sitting in his wicker chair, uh, holding a microphone and, and talking to people. And you feel, and, and that's what you're picturing? I'm uh, not not picturing that. Yeah. As well, you know, I, I do sometimes think that maybe I should just wear sunglasses all the time. Sunglasses indoors. Really? Um, oh, really? You know, just in a kind uh-huh. but like, like those, those ones that Jim that's Jones John, that's did commitment. Better. If you start becoming a sunglasses inside guy, that's going to have, I think that at your age, legally, mm-hmm. then that has to be a thing you do. And that's your thing. Yeah, well, you know, when I used to have a pair that were tinted darker at the top and 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 shaded lighter. I have a photo of below. you holding my baby uh, wearing those glasses. Yeah, uh, they're kind of like it's like sort of like an Elvis TCB period mm-hmm. glasses, yeah. and you're holding a little infant with a missing tooth, if memory serves. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like I I was very comfortable in those glasses. They were big. Yes, they were a little tinted at the top. Air of mystery. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Huh. Somebody asked me the other day. Uh, this is just one of those things that comes up on the internet where somebody said, "You know who you are has to, has to be opposites. You have to have two traits that are opposite of one another that describe you." Oh, right. And I was Cl- like, classic. Well, it would be like somebody who's like, where you're like, oh, that person, they're really seemingly gruff exterior, but they're actually really nice. Like something yes. like that. Yes, exactly. And immediately I said, without even thinking, I said, total openness and, and total privacy, total openness and absolute, you know, like, um, you're not, impen- you're not afraid to draw a line. You'll draw a line. 
well, you got to draw a line. But, oh, boundaries are so important, Sean. But I thought about it later and I was like, total openness. Yes, that's what I try to be. But then also completely, like, not secretive exactly, but like, there's so much stuff I don't say. We, so people just I, don't say private anymore. You know, when like, mm-hmm. that's well, we, that's the word we used to use, that like, he's a private person or she, mm-hmm. she's a private person. Right, you're mm-hmm. you're kind of you, and this is this is really also adjacent to our ongoing discussion of introversion and extroversion, don't you think? I do, and I think that sunglasses that are that are oh, uh, dark yeah. on the top and light on the bottom, it's like the the bottom is total openness, and the top is is privacy and whoa and a kind of secrecy, and I could be both all the time. All in those, and I'm thinking now about a, a kind of glasses they used to advertise on TV called transitions. Yes. And those are, I think they still make them. I and you would wear those glasses indoors and they look like normal eyeglasses. And then something would happen, I guess, chemically outside, Chemicals. chemical glasses. And then those would get darker when you went outside. So you didn't right. need two pairs of glasses. You're right. saying, if I understand, that you're, you're doing an existential gradient that you, yes. where you're going to see the world a certain way. And let's be honest, the world's going to see you a certain way. Mm-hmm. Much like, did you get that photo I just sent you of you holding the baby? There it is. Uh, look at that little baby. Little baby. And then there's me. Yes. Who, uh, really, yeah. I mean, I'm a lot of things in that picture. It looks like you're saying, um, I'm not going to do the voice, but it kind of looks like you're saying, this this mine now. Oh, this mine now. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I have like baby that. now. Baby. I like that baby very much. Junky baby. And, and I did say, uh, this mine now. Or, or uh, <laughs> I want to go to there is probably some version of that, except I was, I was ready to take that baby. But you guys were pretty good about guarding. You always stood between me and the door. Madeline did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, She's she's got a very narrow frame, but she's she's got ve- she's very sharp. Yes, she's got very sharp things like yes. sh- her elbows. I mean, you know, they used to say like Bruce Lee had to register his hands with the FBI or whatever. <laughs> Madeline's elbows should have to be in the Smithsonian or something. Every time I moved toward the door, she would redirect like, "Want another cup of coffee?" Uh-uh. And I would go like, "Oh, oh, yes, I do." It's so nice another. to have you here, John Harderizi. <laughs> Harder, easy, John. This is, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I yeah, the, the sunglasses inside. Um, I'm intrigued. Uh, yeah, I've been watching a thing about Truman Capote on, oh, yeah. on the TV, and uh, you know, he had, I guess, what you might call kind of like those Andy Partridge glasses, sort of like they're yes. not quite Bono glasses. And I think he actually has an eye thing, so I don't make fun of him anymore. But uh, well, not about that. But, You're talking about uh, Andy Partridge, or did you ever make fun of Truman Capote? <laughs> that seems like a like a lost cause. I'm trying to learn to emulate his awkward laugh that the actor in this has really mastered. <laughs> 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 um, and uh, uh, but but you know, I mean, there's there's a whole range of things. I, I'm just just for me as somebody who's from very uh, introverted places, well, mm-hmm. places where you just don't talk to people about things. Yeah, like a, a person wearing sunglasses inside. I'm gonna tell you a true fact. True fact known, John. When I was a kid, you see somebody wearing sunglasses inside. What do you assume about them? Oh, uh, the, probably a rhythm and blues uh, legend. Uh, oh, I see what you're saying. That would, yeah, you assume that's a, an it's Ray person. Charles. It's you Ray assume Charles. It's whoever they are. In Cincinnati, we don't see color. You know, but but he's yeah, got sure. a woman. And <laughs> no, but you could no, you no, could no, fully no, no. <laughs> well. <laughs> you know, he always went to Holiday Inn because the rooms are configured the same. Oh, is that right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. How, how interesting. There's this one or that one. They're either they're either this way or that way. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, you yeah, just yeah, go, yeah. hey, Ray, it's going to be a left room or a right room. And then he'd know where everything was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I I feel like in the '80s there were a lot of pop stars, you know, like uh, like um, Dave from the Eurythmics. I mean, a lot of people that wore oh, sunglasses yeah. all the time, which I liked. But you know, I, there's one in particular. If you if you watch the video for the Eurythmics, would I lie to you? Which was a you know a later hit for them, before yeah. right before Annie went solo. Would I lie to no, you? No, I remember the song. I don't remember the. I remember uh, "Love Is uh, the Back of a Car," but I don't remember that. Well, one. so the the video they're playing a live. Show. I do remember because I just made. I sang the riff, one of the riffs, yeah. a minute ago, uh, from "Sweet Dreams." I do remember pretty clearly. He's got round. <laughs> to, uh, not. I, I wouldn't even say translucent. They're practically opaque. <laughs> yes, they're oh, like God. welding bum, glasses. Bum, 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 bum. It's in C sharp. But I can play that in the in the uh, "What I Lie to You" video. In addition to there being like a hard rock show that they're playing yeah there's a second narrative uh, you know a hard rock show is not a narrative but there's a narrative <laughs> in the video I'm sorry I'm just gonna write that down and sorry. there's a boyfriend annie lennox has a boyfriend mm -hmm. and he's obviously in the video a kind of a bad guy like she's not into him she's kicking him out Mm -hmm. And he's got a kind of he's kind of don't, tall. Don't you lay a hand on Annie Lennox? She's been through a lot. Oh, she has, and she's letting him. She have got treated. It. She got dealt dirt. I don't know if you're the inside story, but mm -hmm. when that whole thing happened with Sweet Dreams, after the tourists broke up, they started the Eurythmics. They had a really hard time. By the way, the tourists listeners, mm -hmm. if you've never checked them out, extraordinary pop band. Pre um, pre Eurythmics pop pre Eurythmics band. pop band. They did a cover of um, I Only Want to Be with You. That's one of the great covers. But, I want to be with you. <laughs> I want to want to be with you. You know, he he just got pinched for weed. Oh, he did. Darius Rucker, which well, is not you know, a real he, name. He's a big country star. Big, and big country star. For weed, getting pinched for weed. I can it's, see that. It's a, it's a confused. But 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 then but she got dealt dirt. You know, they did all kinds of stuff. Like the music industry was really they supposedly, hmm. supposedly they wanted mm -hmm. to see paper. They wanted to see her papers to make sure that she was a lady. Oh, you're kidding. I'll really? You, her, I'll send you a video about this. Her papers. <laughs> <laughs> Can I see yeah, the Vaughan, papers? Welcome to Vaughn Brothers, or as we say, Warner Brothers. Welcome to Vaughn Brothers. <laughs> Could we see your papers? Are they in order? Well, obviously, she's one of the most uh, beautiful performers. She was on the Grammys the, last night. In the she universe. Oh, no, she was she really? Well, no, oh, no, she I sang. Didn't, I, I didn't she sang that. nothing compares to you. Oh. In a very, 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 very long in memoriam section. They also oh. had. They also had. I, I think it might have been a CGI Tony Bennett. He a did, Tony Bennett CGI. Well, he, yeah, he did the late Tony Bennett in the in memoriam. He did a very, very awkward. Uh, well, I should. I mean, he and Stevie Wonder, who who was oh, live there. on stage and who my kid learned last night is alive. Yeah, still alive. He's amazing. You know, he had a lot of good albums. He did. He did many, 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 many. He's very influential. So Annie Lennox, though, but so, and, but but this so goes anyway, to a theory, too. Video, she's outgoing, and he's very reserved. He's the well, sunglasses guy, and she's she's big and open. Yes, but I'm talking about the guy in the video who oh. plays her boyfriend. Oh, sorry, the bad seed, of course. And he is... He, the thing is, she's she's tearing him a new one from the stage, but he still maintains a very, very... Uh, Air, he's he's very arrogant and he's mm -hmm. very confident and he's 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 going around through the crowd and he's real like, ex boyfriend material. Yeah, don't fuck with me. He's got a real mm -hmm. he's got a real attitude and he's wearing sunglasses that are darker on the top than at the bottom. And I have not seen this video in I swear to you thirty years, but it was burned into my head. I'm gonna look at it like, later. You know what? 
I also aspire to be a bad boyfriend in a little bit of a way, you know, a kind of video, a kind of boyfriend where Annie Lennox is yelling at you from the stage. What higher level of bad boyfriend is there? And these and, and don't you think probably he knows he knows he knows he's not a good guy. Oh, sure he does. He's not, he's fooling, a, he's not fooling anybody, including himself. You know, last night I went to a kind of memorial. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy, a friend of ours from the old days, this, uh, this British fellow mm-hmm. by the name of Michael Yukin, who used to write music journalism in Seattle back in the '90s, and he was he actually really championed. Uh, he was an early champion of the Western State Hurricanes before you know before it had really caught on. Was he living in Seattle at the time? He was in Seattle at the time, but he was very connected to everybody that was part of that scene. And a lot, you know, he was curmudgeonly and he was grouchy, but he uh, was young and he was cool and he had sideburns or whatever. And he, everybody, everybody loved him. And he just recently died, just suddenly oh, died, I'm just so like 50 years old. And he was back in Inglang and he just like poof. And so we had this uh, memorial at a bar and there was only 10 of us there, but a, but a group of people he had, he had influenced. And at some point, somebody said... You know, well, I mean, we've all, we've all had, um, we've all had bad relationships. We've always been, uh, all of us have at some point or another been the bad guy. And there was a beat and I said, not me. It's all worked out fine for me. And the laugh that went across the table, uh, really was a moment of self-reflection for me. Did you actually go, hey. <laughs> hey, wait, wait a minute. We, we, you, 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 you came up, not last night because we were watching the Grammys, you came up two nights ago. Uh, we were talking about two friends of ours, you and our, our, our good pal, Michael Ferguson. Two, two guys who like um, always, or would always, everybody says they want to quote unquote be friends or stay friends. But you and Mike are the, Michael are the only, or the people who most of all in my life, the two men at least, who actually did stay friends. Or, 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 or you, that's a big thing for you, right? Seeking to like stay and like understand the relationship, even in as a post mortem, and like that's part mm-hmm. of your thing, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to, but it is it, it, it over the course of my life, I have kind of discovered that it is not a human trait. It's not it, something, um, in my experience, that a lot of women want. No, and a lot of guys they're very either. satisfied with the with the let's stay friends, and then we'll be civil when we see each other. Yeah, it's like we're broken up. So therefore, why do you ever want to talk to me again? Because I don't want to talk to you again. Tom <laughs> Mulaney has a line about how anybody who's met my parents and seen my fe- penis, like that's too much information to be out there walking around. <laughs> but I, I, I have never understood that. And of course, I'm always having to say, hey, look, I'm not trying to hook up with you. Uh, I don't. I don't want to get back together. <laughs> I'm not gonna put you in my van. I just got some. I got some stuff I'm trying to process about 15 years ago, and you're the one that knew me best, and we knew each other. So, what do you say? Want to get? And they're like, No, mm-hmm. not at all. I don't want to meet you mm-hmm. up for coffee. Why would I want to do that? Yeah. We are broken up. I have a new boyfriend now, and I'm always like, I see. And it's happened enough. It's happened almost 90 percent of the time. Uh, enough that I feel like, oh, I am the uh, anomaly here. This is this is a uh, this is another example of a uh, a kind of uh, a neural atypical desire mm-hmm. uh, where where there is a mainstream, there is a normal, let's say, and You're I'm emotionally falling, diverse. 
I'm falling outside of it. And I didn't even like some neuroatypical moments. You had no idea that this was, that there was a normal until it was, until you learned it over the years, yeah. right? Where you're just right. like, huh, what I think is normal in this situation isn't at all. And actually, I don't, I'm not modeling anybody, right? There wasn't anybody in my life that was still in touch with all their ex-friends. So it's one of those like secret weird things that we don't realize is weird until other people are aware of it. And they're like, nobody else does that but you. You know what I mean? Right, right. And even if I have like an angry breakup with somebody, you know, like angry or... I mean, even Ac acrimonious, yeah, acrimonious, even Ben and Adam from, uh, from, uh, whatchamacallit, Star the, Star old, Wars show, yeah. the old Star Wars show or the mm -hmm. podcast I had with them that was about, I don't even remember what you did. You did a, you did one about Star Wars and then you did one about regular wars. See, that's it. Exactly. Uh, those guys, I think, uh, well, they don't want anything to do with me, but I would talk, I'd be, I'd go to lunch with them to this right this minute. If you made call. those guys, you made them. I mean, well, you know, they're yeah. fully grown people. They ate their own sandwiches. But you can't, I, have, a, you can't have a golem without sand. Hmm. Or you mud? Mean the, you mean the sand at the bottom of the stream where the where the ring hung out for many millennia? Oh, I see. And, and was it Smeagol who found it? Smeagol? No, it was Smeagol's friend who found it. And then Smeagol killed Smeagol's friend. And that's what made him Smeagol. Because before that, he was a proto-hobbit. He's a proto-hobbit. Did he have a shire? He was a nice hobbit, like oh, pre-hobbit, a pre-hobbit hobbit. But oh, like then, a Neolithic hobbit. Yes, but then his desire for the ring brought out the dark side. Yeah, that I think I saw that part in the film. Yeah, and then the emperor was like, "Yes, get no, into I, our I, I just meant it's well, it's all very difficult, you know, these things with people. But, it is. Yeah, no, but no, I still no, want to be friends you. with everybody, but but not, not that many people want to be friends with me, honestly. Well, you know. I mean, is it, it seems dangerous. It seems risky. You leave a mark, you yeah. know, on a per well. No, sorry, I, let me put that differently. You, you know, you make an you make an impression. Well, that's kind of a mark, an impression. If it, if remember that purple mattress you had, not the company, but remember the paisley one. Of course, mm -hmm. that that mattress is cannot still be in the world. <laughs> it has to have it has to have gone to another to another place wherever. Somebody, mattress should, somebody should write a really really bad independent film where you hook up with a young person today and you get back to their place and it's obviously your mattress it's the, the mattress yeah, yeah. Be, i hope it's a very short film this is the thing about You're mattresses busy. you see yeah. them everywhere and it, it doesn't seem like they do go away it seems like they just get they just get moved around it might be under a freeway overpass right now it could also be thermodynamics i don't think mattresses are ever created or destroyed I was sad to see that mattress go, as you of recall. Of course you were. You left a lot of memories on there. <laughs> I did. Indelible I did, memories. But it, but it was still a perfectly good mattress. Well, I just got rid of it because of peer pressure and the social pressure to like change. Well, and D2C, and, D to C, the direct-to-consumer uh, mattress box services. Yeah, that, yes. And they were they were nice. They were good podcasts. Remember that, John? That was supporters. the best ad read we ever did. <laughs> It's also, it's also very importantly, the, the moment that many years into this program, it proved a thing I always knew, which is I don't want you involved in the ad reads. <laughs> House Trotter. Every once in a while, I will eat food that makes it feel like I'm sucking on a battery. And I think back to, <laughs> the, to that meal, meal we had. And I go, wow, House Trotter. this is, yeah. yeah. No, I don't want the house trotter. <laughs> and honestly, yeah. it sounds like a horse, John. <laughs> I think it's a. I think it's a. I think it's a fin fishy friend. But no, a trotter sounds like a horsey. It is. It's a pig foot. A trotter is a the foot of a pig. Well, that's pretty ironic. 
I mean, how, don't how you? it ironic? Well, after you take off his paw, he's not going to trot much. He's not even going to make a little noise. Oh, I see. Maybe he trotted in on him and <laughs> didn't trot out. <laughs> maybe they'll. Maybe when you eat it, it's the it's the hooves last trot. Oh, I see. And like you know that thing where it's believed. And I I know this is uh this is this is uh, some of this has been disproven. But there are people who eat other people, and you know it's part of a ritual thing. It could be a. It's not just Donner Pass. Don't don't just say Donner Pass. It's lots of things. There's there's a kind. It's not always. It's not always like a witch doctor cauldron. But sometimes you eat somebody to get their power. And maybe that's what people are afraid of when you come in with the glasses. You know, and, and that one keyboard sample when you walk in the room. There is a calculation that there is a certain percentage of missing people that get eaten. It's got to be a very small, a vanishingly small percentage I've of missing people. I've watched enough free prestige television to know that it is not easy to get rid of a body. Right. I mean, this Somebody, is featured always, in like the second or third episode of Breaking Bad, a very memorable thing that happens with trying to get rid of a body. Wonderful scene. Sets the tone for the show in so mm -hmm. many ways. But you, if I understand what you're saying, and I, this comes up in a lot of prestige TV. And I watch, I, John, I watch a lot of prestige TV. I know. Have you seen this Mr. and Mrs. Smith? Um, there's a, there's I'm a up Mr. Through, I'm up through, John. Go ahead. I'm, I'm through, sorry. Of course no, you have John, <laughs> I'm up through episode four. Oh. My bar going into this was set so low. And then I was like, this is the most watchable TV program I've seen in five years. I this not, doesn't feel like eating your vegetables or going to the dentist. It's so well done. It's so effing fun. And it's still really smart. What, what's crazy about it, it's the first time I, uh, I was having this conversation about uh, Smiley's people the other day. Uh, the old uh, one? Uh, yeah, the, well, and then this one? Yeah, the, uh, the Tinker Tailor Soldier. Yeah, and then Gary Oldman did the movie. Yeah, and the and 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 they were saying, "How did you feel about the movie?" And I said, "Well, I prefer the miniseries." It's like it's like a series of unfortunate events. Like you do the best you can, but you, that's a that's a big story that needs a lot of quiet to be that's told right. the way it that's wants exactly to be told. Exactly right. The fact that the miniseries you gotta is, really watch it. You're gonna have to remember who's who. And like it's from very the first frame. Boring, and it's it so should boring. Be it's boring. so good. It's so PBS. <laughs> it's desperately PBS. It's I love key. it so much. And the movie had to cut out so much boringness that some of the, the well, that a lot of the vibe, and it's still a very boring movie, a long and boring movie, but some of the vibe that comes from the deep boringness uh, was lost. And, what's, and, and that conversation led into a conversation about the fact that now all the boring shows that need to be boring – and I'm and I'm I'm looking at you, slow horses. Yeah, and I'm looking at you, the curse. That's a critical part of the curse. You don't won't realize it until the show's over and you watch YouTube videos and read out essays. But hmm. there are shows we're so used to this. I, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna date both of us by saying this post MTV because I really feel like MTV did have not single handedly a huge impact bum, on the amount bum, of stimulation bum, we're bum, expected bum, to have. Bum, bum. Yeah, every three minutes. Well, and like all the, just all the, like the constant cuts, and it's one of the things that's ruining fight scenes. It's one of the things that's not ruining, but like it makes narrative less fun if you're constantly using edits and cuts to tell people what, what to pay attention to in the story. Yeah. Well, and Slow Horses is this fantastic, boring story, but every episode they ha there has to be a gunfight. All the characters are so good, though. They're great, but the but the gunfight is is superfluous. It's just modern audience needs a gunfight or <laughs> needs somebody to do a karate kick. It's like the, it's, it's like boobs in the eighties. And I would just watch the sections of that show where people are are sitting snarking wise at each other. This is other why over. I skip over a lot of the kissing on Game of Thrones when I rewatch. Oh, you don't like the kissing? Oh, I know it's important. They got to have their boobies on HBO. We well, yeah, know there's sure. that scene where Littlefinger is instructing the new worker 
Oh yeah, with the, the older worker. I think that's a pretty yeah. famous scene. It's, yeah, it is sex. Pretty sexy. And like, and it's got that one lady who rides on she's the cart something. later. I love she's amazing. the red haired lady. I do. Yeah, she's a. I, you know, the first you know, she's time a I watched it, what she is. I didn't realize what a what a what a reoccurring character she was. Exactly. Because yeah. I didn't put together that she was the one from that and the one from that. And on rewatch, I was like, oh my god, she's kind of a she's got a huge role in the show. Absolutely. But but the thing about Mister and Mrs. Smith is it's a show where half of it is two people basically having a marriage encounter or we're watching their marriage evolve and the other half is like a spy show right and i massively prefer the two of them laying in bed uh just casually talking about which you do their, get more relationship. of as the ep- as the shows as the episodes go on you get a ton but also can i just point out and i confirmed this with my wife last night or this morning rather which is like it's not just me right like i'm only up to four Um, but it's all just to remind you, it's one that involves skiing. Oh yeah. The skiing. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm up through that one. But I was like, Hey, just so we're clear, just so I'm clear, like, doesn't it seem like time, more time has passed than we would assume? Like they seem like a lot has developed in their relationship in the chronological order of those episodes. Like a lot happens between, must've happened between three and four, right? What you find is that there's like six months between episodes. There has to be because otherwise how the hell do they know But again, it's like like Dunkirk where you're like blinking, you miss it. Like I still believe to this day, and of course I'll never get anybody to admit this with me. The first time I watched Dunkirk, of course I read the enter title cards yeah, but I didn't internalize it, and I didn't understand one day, like what is it? One week, one day, one hour. I didn't right. get that until the second viewing, and I enjoyed it so much more. When I appreciate the ending is so much more exciting when you realize it's the crescendo of the three timelines, and and like, but you blink and you miss it, you know. I mean, one of the things about Dunkirk is I wish I could blink long enough to have missed the whole thing. But that's just my attitude as somebody that did a, a podcast about Star Wars or whatever it was. Okay. No, it's the other wars. I did the other wars. You sure it's Dunkirk? Is this going to be like one of those things where my wife she thinks she hates Drive? Oh, no. She it's thinks she thing- hates Drive and she thinks they hate, she hates the prestige. And I still think in both cases she's confusing it with another movie. I Are you sure you first, don't like Dunkirk? I thought that the first half of Oppenheimer was... Uh, maybe the best movie I had ever Somewhere seen. Somewhere I'm still watching the first half of Oppenheimer. <laughs> and, and, and it was so good until they uh, exploded the bomb. And if they had ended the movie with the explosion yeah, of the bomb... I think it's cute. It would have been incredible. But then the bomb explodes, and then there's magical realism all of a sudden, and then there's time starts to warp. And I'm like, this, could, this didn't have to be a three-and-a-half-hour movie. It could have been a two-hour movie that was one of the greatest films just, ever made. This movie could have been an email. <laughs> and then if you want to make a magic movie about uh, about Magic Mike and all of the and the Congress or yeah. whatever, you go ahead and do that. Make that the second movie, the 1950s. Nobody wants to watch so that. So we're, we're stipulating here that that especially John and to a great extent Merlin both enjoy spy thrillers and stuff like that. Yes. Spy, I, love, I love just anything spy craft. Me like, too. I, I love like watching somebody drill a hole in the wall to do a camera and like I love all unlike the way you scan the key card under the table. I love anything what? spy craft. Let me just ask you right yeah, out yeah, yeah. and I know people are listening. I know exe- top executives at Netflix are listening to this show because they write me all the time. Yeah. Why is there not a category on all the streaming services that just says spy shows? Boring spy shows. Any movie where someone drills a hole in a wall and puts a little microphone through it. I will a movie, watch or it. Or like a movie like Sneakers. 
where it's like it's 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 so good still and it's kind of difficult to describe it's one you know and there are these movies like uh, again a movie like oh well sorry this is i'm not changing the topic but like a movie like the thing you can't call the thing one genre of movie because it is one of the greatest movies ever made and the more you watch it the more you realize it's like six genres of movie is it a thriller is it horror is it a western like there's all these different things and like what, what we're talking about here though you want stuff where like and actually, I wrote down something to recommend to you here. I'm going to go ahead and say it now. Uh, another John Le Carre um, series called The Night Manager. Oh, The Night Manager. I did try to watch The Night Manager. Too slow. It, no, it wasn't. The it didn't slowness. have as much like straight spy craft. But you're talking about like you know what you're talking about like you know they got like regular high fi There's, there's high fi You know, there's science fiction that's more like fantasy or space opera. And then there's something I I still don't quite understand. But what people call hard sci-fi. I think mm. 2001 is often used as an example of this. Like hard, hard sci-fi. sci-fi. You're talking about hard spy shows. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I will watch Hugh Laurie uh, tie his shoelaces. Oh man. But there was something about the writing. Talking about Dickie Roper. Uh, yeah, this is the problem. Like, if I can see the writer making choices, mm, sitting at okay. their little writing desk, and That's like two for huh, you, Dunkirk huh. and Night Manager, I'm and like both of those, down. you know, tapping their pencil and going like, you know what I need to do, or or if I can see the person looking over the writer's shoulder, going, eh, why don't you add in a love well, scene? Well, make here? sure you catch up with this season of yeah. True Detective Night Country. Yeah, I can't which do would, it. Which would slot in real nicely on CBS Saturdays at ten. Like I, I just tried like, to watch. Uh, just I tried to just watch going the through new, it. The uh, the new Jodie Foster. That's what uh, I'm talking about. It sucks. Just, it I sucks so the, much. Couldn't get through the first episode. I, I keep was like, trying to watch what? another episode. After yeah. two episodes, I was like, I'm never turning this on again. No. And now we're on, I think four. I tried it again last night, and I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. What is happening? What have you done with with Saul from Deadwood? Can you just pick a lane for any of these characters? Can you pick, pick a lane. one lane? Don't even get me started the, on the photography in this. What uh, the hell is the what are the writers doing? What what was that? The writers are saying the thing is a really good screen? movie, and this no. will make Merlin want to watch it three times in a week. No, no can't do it. And that was, that's what happened to me with Night Ranger. I don't I don't know what yeah. happened. I was down there in Egypt. Everything was going fine, and then I was like, I don't yeah. like I don't like this. I don't like them. I don't like it. I yeah, it could come back around, but like you know, it just if be careful with Night Ranger because I don't think it's going to give you the same vibes as Time is a Flat Circle. Oh well, well, I mean that's the same show, John. Yeah, no, no, I know. That I know. first that first season was special. It was not, it was dynamite. It was, it was dynamite. and, and until, it was challenging until and the weird. last. Oh, this is the other thing. These shows that are dynamite all the way through, all the way through. Oh my like god! The, like the one uh, of Far, the little Fargo, gallon Fargo season five. Well, that, but the 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 uh, the, the one with the the little uh, teenage gal in Romania that got turned into a spy. And was kicking ass all over. Oh, Nikita, uh, Europe. Nope, nope, nope. This is oh, more oh, recent. Oh, 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 oh the, the the one with the girl the, with the girl. Uh, Saoirse, Saoirse Ronan. Uh, the girl that was like karate chopping and stuff. And the one there with were, the dad. Uh, the one with spies. the dad, and they're in a shack. The one with the dad in the shack. Uh, Hannah. Hannah. That movie fucking rules. Well, except there's a TV show. I know, but it's got a little Saoirse Ronan in it. She's so little. Have you seen the, the Have you seen the movie? I haven't seen the movie. Oh, but the, shit, but the, dog. The TV show Saoirse was Ronan. so good, and then you mm. get to the last episode, oh, and I man. see this over and over. I know. The last episode of all these shows is like written by somebody else. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, all yeah, of a yeah, sudden, yeah. it's got ideology. All of a sudden, it's they're trying to make the whole thing make but a, Night, a Night Country, or sorry, Night Ranger, was doing that like from the jump. I we know. were like, wait a minute, what? 
It's just, you, and you, so like you're, you're very, I'm going to say, John, I hope mm. this doesn't harm our relationship. The thing you were saying a minute ago about Night Manager, mm-hmm. oh my God, for, for, for Night, there's Night Manager and there's mm-hmm. Night Ranger, which is a, mm-hmm. a true detective uh, spinoff. And that, yeah. that, you can just feel so much writing going on. It's the writing. If you so, and they're trying to jam in so much and they're doing that thing where they're like, hey, we're, if we say this often enough, you'll think these people have a relationship. There it is. That's and none exactly of these people right. have a relationship. Show I don't me, see don't any... tell me. Show uh, me, don't tell me. I sit and in the Jody chair Foster and I say... Foster be Jodie Foster, but pick one Jodie Foster, please. I say, Calgon, take me away. Take me That's, away. Ancient me Chinese away. secret, huh? I don't want to sit here and listen to you oh. badmouth the United States I'm of not going to sit here. <laughs> Wait, what's that from? Wait, no, I know this. That's Animal House. Gentlemen! Oh, my God. It's Animal House. And then what does they start humming God Bless America? Or yeah. Like <laughs> well, no, it's, uh, yeah. What do you want to do, Republic? you moron? <laughs> <laughs> um night ranger mattresses emotionally diverse wait we were back on spies well yeah i mean the thing is i think mm. i realized this not even late in life i think i realized this in high school mm. my dad compulsively read spy novels and it was and they're pulp novels right he would go to the drugstore and he would flip through that rack uh, that had, oh, of uh, course, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. that had uh, there's romance so, novels for women. That's right, and, and then spy like the, and men. then like women, or then there would be like a, a oh my god, I used to love those covers. I have a collection of old like pulp detective novel covers yes. that I maintain because yes. it'll be like a silhouette of a woman in high heels in a doorway and a guy cleaning a gun will be like the cover of the book. But this was all like '80s stuff where. You, there, there'd be this rack, and he would go. We'd go. We'd be at the drugstore, and I'd be over in the toys, <gasps> and he would be there with this rack of books, with his reading glasses down on the end of his nose, and he'd be looking at them. Okay. And what he and and all of them are like hidden Nazi gold, or uh, you know, it was a secret uh, Nazi program to build intercontinental ballistic missiles, and there are some still buried on the coast in France, and a, and a madman has uh, decided to reactivate them, and only... Oh, you know madmen love Nazi gold. Oh, they do. They love only and gold. So all of that stuff, and he would read these. He had shelves in our house that were wall-to-wall. Uh-huh. Uh, of uh-huh. these, and when I got to be thirteen, I started reading them because I'm like, hmm, hmm, Nazi gold, all right. And I think it had a profound influence on me, even more than watching war movies with them. This, and and I, this is, a, I'm guessing, this is a style of writing that is now like people look down their nose at it. But like, I don't none know. None of those books have survived, right? None of but, them. But I mean, like, I bet they're pretty readable. Oh yeah, like page I mean, turners, that's, right? That's where I met Spencer for Hire. My dad was a big fan oh, of Spencer wow. for Hire. And I'm like reading Spencer Fryer. And then at some point I got old enough that I was like, wait a minute, my dad is a smart guy. What is he reading? Because you could read one of those books in two days. What is he reading this garbage? And I said to my mom at some point, why, why does dad read uh, the, this trash? Uh-huh. And she said, there's a thing you need to know about your father. He wanted to be a spy. Your dad wanted to be a spy. And I said he wanted to be a spy. He probably had a window after the war. I think after a war is when a lot of people. I mean, well, you look um, at Uncle look at Jack. Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston, no spoilers, but you know what I'm saying. There's yeah, people yeah. who who can go from being like 
You're like some kind of a like you know overseas operative, and then then you become the night manager. Now, Uncle Jack did. You know, Uncle Jack, uh, as we've oh, as yeah. discussed on the show, got tapped for skull and bones. He knew George uh, Herbert Walker Bush in college. Yeah, and Poppy, there was Poppy. They called him, and he has he has implied broadly implied that uh, that. You know, had he taken that skull and bones, then he uh, that was a shoe in to CIA. See, but, but the fact that he's telling you that is really poor spycraft, even if well, it didn't happen. Because you're not supposed to never, cop to things that didn't happen. He never did it. So he's, you know, a free agent. He can do whatever yeah. he can say and do whatever he wants. And that's why he claims that he that he rebuffed their advances because he was like, I'm not going to be one of you corporate guys. Because he's Regular some, Holden Caulfield. some sort of West Western man. Yeah. But my dad, according to my mom, and he, he kept you know, his interest by picking up these uh, these these drugstore books, and, and then you you started you started reading them too. Well, I, so I'm reading them to try and not to understand my dad. At that point, what I was doing was just at the at that point, uh, you know, I had read the encyclopedia. Just what else break is from there? Your thoughts because oh, because there wasn't teen literature then. Right no. there was there were oh, kid, that's, kid actually, books. That's funny. That's really true. Yeah. That, you know, and just for the sake of this program, we'll say we're we're very close to the same age. But like honestly, like there's stuff that especially girls read up to a certain point, and there were some books that boys read up to a point. But like there was a real cutoff around age 13 where it was like you can either keep reading Henry Huggins, or mm-hmm. you you know you can. Um, Pick up James Joyce, I guess. I don't know. Or Kurt yeah. Vonnegut, I guess, would be a good transitional one. But no, a, not like a, today. There's like they've got whole sections that are just all vampire sex. Well, and there are a lot of adults that read that stuff. Oh, they like right? it. But They're like Disney adults. With teenage girls, it was Nancy Drew. And then at a certain yeah. point, the it, there's a line where it's like, well, now you like boys. I don't care who you are. So now you like boys. So now all the books are going to be about you wanting to make out with a boy and him wanting to make out with you. They're all going to be. Boys don't like girls who read books. Mm. That's what they and would then tell with, them. With boys, you're reading Hardy Boys yep. up to a certain point, and then it's like, well, you're either into literature now or you're not, or you're into sports. And if you don't, if you can't manage to read the foundation, well, code, and in previous generations, it was, it was adventure books. There were like adventure books that lot. There were whole those whole series. You'll hear these names. You know, whatever, like things like Tom Nick, Tom Nick's Hopalong, Cassie, these things that became like radio things. Zane but like, Gray. yeah, or like, or pirate and then like adventure yeah. stories. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That's so interesting. But, You're right. And now it's, it seems like that's a big market for oh, everybody. It's massive. it's massive. And people, people love those teen books about vampires and they read them into their 40s, you know? But, and this is what these books were, which is like, there's always a sex scene, but it wasn't ever graphic. Most of the time, the the hero was like, "I ain't got time for dating." Mm, just the exercise of power, <laughs> or or they were fighting Nazis, and and the the only woman they ever encountered was like some you know some spy that came in and was in a in a, in like a wetsuit or whatever. But my mom <laughs> said, my mom said when James Bond came out, the first James Bond movie, she went to the theater with my dad and watched it, and he came out a changed man. That's so funny. He was just funny. in his fantasy life. They're, they're still, he like, they're was a still spy. so good. Well, let me tell you something funny. I wasn't going to mention this, but now I'm going to mention it. My kid reads like a lot, a lot. Usually has like three books at a time going yeah. and announced mm-hmm. last night, well, I finished uh, finished from Russia with love. And I oh. said, oh, really? Like, how, how was it? Yeah, that was uh, supposedly John Kennedy's favorite novel. And he goes, uh, yeah, I heard that. And if that's true, he's not as smart as people say. Well, okay, but this is the thing, right? He, 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 didn't is, think, he didn't think it was great. We love the movies, but he read 
that book, he read From Russia with Love, hearing that that's a good one to start with, and was like, mm, no. you know, it's okay. None of the books are good. The books aren't yeah, that good. Right, right, right. But the but the but what we don't account for, I don't think, is fantasy life, and it's it's embarrassing <gasps> like our interior for, world. Yeah, it's embarrassing. I think for adults, and and, and I think it, uh, I think it's embarrassing for all adults to say actually a certain part of my day, a certain part of my relaxation, a certain part of of what I really enjoy about my inner life is that I have maintained fantasy narratives that I that I go into and play out and spend time in this kind of movie world that I've created in my imagination. thing that evolves, and I, I just to say something, just because people are going to want to make a joke about it, because the word fantasy has become so heavily associated with, like, masturbation or something. No, right, or it's... Well, yeah, exactly. Sure, sure, sure. Like, yeah. like, like rings and lakes or whatever. But no, but, like, that fantasy more in the sense of, like, this is an evolving... This will evolve over time. Like when you're a little kid, right. you want to go, you know, uh, hamburger bang bang. Or like we used to play, as I said, we used to ride our big wheels down a hill yelling Torah, Torah, Torah. And we called that, <laughs> we called that playing war. Yeah, playing war. Right. right. But like as you years. get old, Yeah, but you, you still wouldn't mind being David Niven with a briefcase, la la la. Absolutely. you love to be David and Niven with a briefcase? The guy with the bomb? I mean, there, there is a part of me that at the end of the day, when I'm laying down in uh, head on pillow and I close my eyes and I'm not yet asleep, that I'm thinking, again, all this stuff like, okay, I've got a small bag packed. And then, you know, what is the, how do I get to Yakima from here? Little puzzles like that. Like, how do I, what, if I were part of the rebellion mm-hmm. if if there was an american revolution where a where an occupying power took control of seattle mm-hmm. and at my age 55 wolverines who can no longer get over a fence as having been demonstrated or at least a 15 foot wall covered with broken glass fences. that's right can no longer do what i used to do which is you know, imagine myself running through the forest. Um, mm-hmm. Now I have to take on a new role. What is that? Right. I'm the commander. This is why so say, why would so I? So be you, the you get what I mean when I say the fantasy evolves. Yes, and and yet it's still there, and it's sure. still it's, it's still it's still not practical. Fantasy. But and I think my dad and John F. Kennedy probably at some point said got this going in their mind. And as they got older, Mm. I think those books also sometimes uh, featured World War II vets who were now in their 50s and 60s and had to go back. That was the reference. This happens so – there's so much stuff. And and let's just say I watch a lot of stuff about World War II and about – more and more about the Soviet Union and World War II and after. And, like, it's just Mm -hmm. chock-a-block everywhere of what you're describing, which is, again, like the Tom Hiddleston character in this case from, I guess, Iraq or Afghanistan. But, like, whatever. But, like, but people who were in the service and then that's a good transition. So, in some ways – You've said for a long time you wanted to be, I believe you said, and correct me if I'm wrong, you said it was your desire in life to become the retired director of the CIA. Is that yes. correct? But now, but yes, that, correct. again, now I think it's important, as long as we're on this, to call out, not call out, to unpack that that also presumes some things happened 
the, in between. Well, and existentially, <laughs> just re- realistically, didn't happen. But you know, the obvious one is you wouldn't probably wouldn't become the retired director of the CIA unless you become before that the director of the CIA. Well, then how did John become the director of the CIA? Well, you know, after his service, he disappeared for a while, but then he was coming up the ranks. You know, right? Isn't that kind of how it would yeah. work? What what war would it be that you were in? Were you in the Falklands? Well, that's or? the thing. All- all of these, all of these uh, fantasies involve uh, you having a kind of knowledge that doesn't exist anymore. It's like when Y two came, Y two K came, and all those people were calling my mom saying, "We <laughs> find your, gonna we stop. Find, <laughs> yeah, your initials are all over the code, and you're the only one that can tell us what to do now that a two date code is no longer going <laughs> right. to work, and the and all the buildings are going to fall." And my mom was like, "Tough shit." Like, I, I want the world to, you know, I want your civilization to okay, collapse. Okay, well, I'm, I'm listening. Uh, uh, so, yeah. so she says, they come to her and they say, they say, Colonel, it's vital yeah. that we get you involved in this because the Y2K is coming. And your mom, right. in, well, I, I'm not going to do the voice, but I think she would say something like, I'm out of that game. Right? Yeah. I'm not going to get 60, back into this game. Right? She's 62 at that point in time. But I mean, in terms of the like, narrative, she's like, I'm, it's, it's a lot like I need the old Blade Runner. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I got to call you back in because we got some skin jobs you need to air out. That's right. Just when you thought you were out, they call you back and, in. And Dec- Decker says, I just want to eat my dumplings. And they were throwing money at her. You know, they were like, well, well you're, the, uh, you're the only one that, that knows all this or one of a small group of people that could still conceivably read all this freaking Fortran. It's not like she would have to retype the code, but there would probably be a lot of calls and meetings of her just like saying, well, here's places like you have so much code to sort through. You're not just going to grab yeah. your way out of this. Like, here's the kinds of things and relationships and maybe, con- yeah, I don't know if they had comments in code back then, but right, then wouldn't it be the kind of thing where she wouldn't be rewriting it or fixing no. it, but she would be able to offer a lot as somebody who led a team. And just to remind our listeners, you, you told me she managed a team of coders for uh, the Alaskan Pipeline well, sof- bef- software, right? Be- before that, she ran that whole department for King County here in Seattle. And before that, it was Safeco Insurance. So a lot of that, you know, Safeco insurance. But she was, she was stuff. a programmer, but but importantly to the story, right, is that she managed programmers, which means she also managed resources and things like when they say, "Hey, you know, we could cut. We have we have like one byte of memory for this thing. If we cut the date field in half, we might be able to actually do this." Well, and she was she was a programmer from the era where. Programming was not associated with math or engineering. <laughs> so it associated was associated with women. <laughs> it was it was associated with women who had degrees in poetry and logic. Mm, and so God, the way that I they watch that show, the way that they programmed was they put their feet up on their desk and they stared out the window for four days, mm. and then they sat down and they wrote the code, and then they sent it to the woman who was sitting two desks away, and that woman checked the code. And she held had the cards a, up to the light. <laughs> she had a completely different degree in poetry and logic. And by the end, there, as, as my mom is fond of saying, oh, God, there was this, no beta. There was no beta. This wasn't this, as hot as it sounds, right? The, uh, it was pretty hot. It they sounds were, really hot. Because at that point, I guess I'm guessing all, a couple of them are, are troublemakers, like well, like were, like uh, Liz, were, Lizbeth in uh, in in Dragon Tattoo, like a, like kind of a troublemaker and like kind of like oh she's angry but she's got a reason. They were wearing suits. They were wearing flannel suits, like like pencil Whoa. skirts down oh, below John, the knee. Come on, and and uh, and uh, Mary Jane's. Would they cross their legs when they worked? They had to. It was the yeah. only way you could sit in a chair would cross your legs. Pen- pencil leg. That, that that is a silhouette that does not allow a lot of uh, of leg flange. 
Well, and to be called back Ooh. in your pencil, that's the thing. She would have had to have she gone had to into get the all closet, her flannels out of storage. find the flannels, put yeah, them back yeah, on. Yeah. She'd have She'd to find pantyhose. There's oh, not you th- even she any of to that go, around. Yeah, you did. She'd have to get vintage legs. Yeah. Legs. That's right. Legs. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, the, the problem is that my series of, you know, my CIA was standing uh, on stage going, all right, you losers. <laughs> Next up, it's me. <laughs> Who wants a piece of the person you just paid to see? And what's interesting is I am getting called back. I've been, all of a sudden, I'm playing these shows where people are like, you know what we need? What we <gasps> right. need is one more, this. One more heist. Yeah, this, yeah, exactly. Let's get the old gang back together. And because we're the only if my ones knowledge of 80s movies is correct. Is it Cunnilingus safe? What did you say? Is, is Cunnilingus safe? Not, oh. not I just, really. I don't know if it involved a vault. Well, it depends. No, you the know, thing is, you got to get under things. the vault. You have oh, to use right. the old expertise. Nobody knows how to use dynamite anymore. They're all using no, digital watches. Seep, seep. Oh God, John, seep, that's seep. just that. That that's frankly ridiculous. But here's the thing. Okay, so my knowledge of '80s movies, and I'm thinking, I think in particular, well, there's a lot of movies. But like, you think about Beverly Hills Cop, which I think is a great example of this. Is like somebody got killed. You mean like Bobby that I used to work with is dead? And you're like, something happened, something mysterious. This happens in The Thin Man. This happens in everything. And that's how you end, sometimes that's how you end up getting pulled back in. So, yeah. like, maybe one of those characters with the pencil skirt, you know, something, a little hinky went on. And now your yep. mom has to come in. You could help her investigate that. Well, and what's insane is my mom's the one that got called. They never called my dad back in, even though he knew where all the bodies were buried. Oh, the, the terrible story. Mm. The terrible story. Oh, no. Is this going to break his heart? No, it breaks my heart. When my dad was on the Kennedy campaign, he would call my mom every night and tell her about, oh, today Bobby kicked in a door and, you know, and and Kennedy was working on. This is Kennedy 60? This Kennedy 1960. And he's in Washington. no, my dad was his my dad was his advance man through that campaign. So he would go to Chicago okay. and he would say, "Listen, here's what here's what we're going to need. We're going to need the top 6 floors or floors of this hotel. We're going to need oh, this like road chief, blocked staff, off like operations guy. Operations, right? Advance and then, the advance man? Advance man. Wow. That's what he called. I'd love and to then be an the Kennedys man. would arrive and he'd be there for the, you know, for the beginning of the whatever, the two days that he was in the town. And then he would bounce. I bet he was a fixer, too. And go too. to the next town. He was a little bit of a fixer. Yeah. But he spent a lot of time with them. And there was all this just daily drama. And so he sure, would call sure, my sure. mom. We, and I mean, like, the more you learn about... I'm just sorry, real quick. The more you learn about Joseph Kennedy, the more... A lot of stuff makes sense. It's like when you learn about Murray Wilson, a lot of stuff in the Beach Boys makes a lot more sense. When you learn about Joe Kennedy... He was not a great guy. No, he wasn't. I mean, but you know, Bobby, according to my dad, Bobby, those kids were uh, fucked up. He was a real moralizer. He was a real prig. He was really against his brother's affairs. He was really, he was absolutely like a straight shooter, but he was also, you know, like an angry Catholic kid. Talk about Bobby. Bobby. And according to my dad, Bobby would not tolerate a locked door. Anytime he came to a door and it was locked, he would pound on it and scream until somebody opened it. And, you know, and Kennedy's surrounded by people who are enabling him. Anyway, so my dad calls my mom 
writes or yeah, I'm sorry, and and uh, and just sits and 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 uh, you know yammers on. My mom wrote it all down. What during because she took shorthand. If you ever, but I'm just in passing, but, John. Yeah. If you ever told me about the Kennedy thing, him being involved that heavily in knowing them, if you ever told me that, I definitely forgot it because this is this feels new to me. Well, you know, that's but now the thing, knowing that Merlin, sometimes the sunglasses are dark at the top, sometimes they're clear at the bottom, but they always fit on somebody's face. So she says. Through the whole campaign, she sat on the phone, and she did it partly as a nervous tick, just to, like, she mm -hmm, wasn't doing mm -hmm, it for any mm -hmm, re mm -hmm. reason. <laughs> she's just like, uh-huh. And she's just <laughs> taking shorthand yeah. about, and she and she did it in a book. She she kept a journal of my dad's. Probably there on the telephone table. It was right on the telephone table. And yeah. he called her at the same time every night and oh, just say, man. oh, my God, you're not going to believe it. And at some point in her many moves, she looked at it it's not like it got lost she looked at it and said well nobody's gonna care about this john and john morgan roderick are you fucking kidding me tossed it oh my now, fucking god you must be crushed now that book if <sighs> that book belongs in the historical record right that book should be in the library of Congress, is there anything it, that's more your shit is like discovering yeah. I'm probably guessing in Greg's shorthand that there's a book with shorthand in it where your mom transposed or like um, transcribed transcribed, transcribed um, you're, you're in on the day it happened the drama that your father was going through with the with the Camelot boys if, holy if you, god if you just think about putting it up on Sotheby's like oh, let's auction this off yeah. I mean it's not just that but it's like and the thing is my mom could still probably read her shorthand and so what I have is I sit around and every once in a while she will say, oh, yeah, it's really funny. McGeorge Bundy. Have I got a story about that. Or, oh, you know, what, what, you, what you don't know about mm -hmm. the Washington Post. And, you know, I've watched all the movies about that. Dean stuff. Russ could drink. <laughs> and, and she knows it all. But, her, but you know, if you, if you sit an interviewer. She goes, well, hmm, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, you, but, she, but the anecdotes will come out. And it's not like she has Alzheimer's. You know, she's still well, absolutely She probably just lucid. doesn't want to talk about it. Well, well I mean, there's she, other stuff that, like, would be fun to reminisce about. But, like, a lot of the times the information that somebody like me or you wants from, let's say, an older relative is, well, okay, first of all, maybe, not in this case, but in a lot of cases, maybe there's a reason you never heard about this before. Like, mm. you know what I mean? You discover that, like, it doesn't have to be, like, a dark family secret. There's all kinds of shit about my grandmother's childhood I didn't learn until she had Alzheimer's. Right. And that's when she, like, again, and you, she would have these moments of lucidity where she would remember things with incredible detail. But I also think she would, if you, like, rem forget that she didn't like talking about it. And so there's things from the past where you don't want to, like, you don't want to, I mean, like, does she want to sit down and, like, tell stories about your dad for days? She, I mean, she, uh, after he died, all of a sudden, my mom loves my dad. You know, all, all of a sudden. He's probably easier to love that way. One day after his funeral, yeah. she's like, you know, your dad and I were really happy for 15 years. And I'm oh. like, what? This is the first I've heard of it. But I was talking, <laughs> I was talking to my older sister the other day who was with them through all of that as a teen or as a, you know, preteen and teen. And she said, we would go on these long car drives and dad would be talking about some case, you know, some, some case in front of the legislature or some case, some trial. And he would say, well, this guy, you know, he was, 
he was drunk and he uh, he did this thing and he he wired his uh, he you know he wanted to kill his wife so he wired the soap dish to uh, the house current but um, she was in the bath and she rather than put the soap in the soap dish she tossed it and a blue flame <laughs> leapt up and hit the soap as it was flying through the air and so you know oh now he's in jail and I'm his defense attorney and here's why. Here are the mitigating circumstances why I'm pleading not guilty because he blah, 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 and this and that and the other. And my mom would sit and listen. They're driving, you know, up in Banff or whatever. My mom would sit and listen. Your older sister was was witness to this. Older sister in the backseat. Mm -hmm. And then my mom would say, well, sounds like the law says this and therefore uh, this. And so that's the end of that. And my dad would think for a minute and he'd go, well, but the, you know, this is the blah, blah, blah. And he'd lay out seven different statutes and real reasons and, and justifications. And then she would sit and listen. And then she'd say, well, just sounds like he's got his just desserts because it's really clear and pretty, you know, pretty open and shut case. And according to my sister, she was like, your mom was educating him on what reality is. Your right. dad was like, how, like for, I'm thinking specifically of like how if, if I don't know if it's a jury trial, but like how this would play to a jury, for example, the kinds yeah. of things where you're like, you can, you can cite chapter and verse of law all you want, but if it's a jury that has to decide just as, as one example, but can I also just point out, you, you're basically describing a pair of, of glasses here. You've got a dark part and a light part. Oh, right. Yeah. Sort of right. Like these, these two, like the, the, together, they make a pair of glasses. It's just that it's not two lenses. It, it's it's two. It's, it's light and dark. It's light and dark. It's I don't know. I never remember which is which. It's latitude or longitude. But well, but I mean, my, my my dad was light and my mom was dark. But but according to Laura, was dark. Um, you know, my mom was his legal secretary, and as a as a component of that, she basically <laughs> learned the law. Of course. And my dad is up in the clouds of the law, just like la da 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 da, and this and that and this, and what about this? And my mom had matter of factly learned the law. This is so much like my relationship with my wife, with the same gender like this like my, my <laughs> wife is like your mom and i am like your dad absolutely and sometimes i really need somebody to go you are on the one hand you are oversimplifying this but on the another hand you are desperately overcomplicating this so let's right. go back to the part you're oversimplifying and like focus on this thing that you know what i mean like you sometimes it's so jarring to have someone in your life do that but it's so so essential it's a set and according to laura they loved each other and they oh, would do this God. for hours and hours, drive oh, through the country and dad, so much. dad would be like, well, and then, you know, the invention of the radio and my mom would say, mm -hmm. boom, she would just hit him with these like, and then reality check. And she knew her shit. Right. So he would then have to, he'd have to regroup. He couldn't just dismiss it as like, oh, oh, you, you know, you're not a lawyer. What are you talking about? Cause he knew that she knew and he knew that she what? was smart. Well, and uh, yeah, and according to Laura, like the, the, he respected her more than he respected anybody else in his life because she just had this like mm. this kind of intelligence that was like, well, I mean, I've read the law. I love I, her, but she's scared. I, I love her. It. I love your mother so much. I text with her like she's great, but she <laughs> is scary is the wrong word. Intimidating. She's a very, she's a very, when I say a serious person, I don't mean humorless, but I mean like she's an adult. She's yeah. a full-time adult. And I bet she has been since she left the farm. Like she's very, you don't, you don't shuck and jive with your mom unless this is shuck and jive time. 
That's she's, right. Oh, she's she very to... focused on like, you know what I mean? Like it's, but it's, it's an unusual, again, we talk about boundaries or stuff, but like, that's a way that people did used to act publicly and privately sometimes, you know, dads would wear ties at home and moms didn't always laugh at your jokes. That's how it was. I, my daughter says, I like spending time with Nana uh, because dinner is at five. <laughs> my I kid said, likes early dinner too. I said, why do you like dinner at five? And she said, it's not even that dinner is, I don't even care that it's at five instead of seven. She said, what I like is that dinner is at five. And there's not this no, thing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, no, like I know. And I know you know five means four. five. Yeah. It's not between <laughs> four and 10 p.m. It's not between now and whatever. At five. Five. And I'm like, at five. At right. five. Okay. All right. Yes, that's right, of course. But because, also, because, like, because your kid huh. could say to you, well, you know, like I'm just saying, because I'm the same way. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, like yeah. whatever. Like those are numbers. I recognize those. But like, yeah, but like, what if I'm really into like reconfiguring the DNS on my network, or I'm just listening uh, to this uh, Jason Faulkner song over and over, and maybe dinner will be later. And yeah. like, but no, dinner's at five. Well, and you know, not, and, not because that's when the roast comes out, because that's when dinner is. Dinner's at five. Dinner's at five, and she's over here. And sometimes she's like, "Hey, <laughs> Wait, Dad, careful, it's, careful, it's, careful! Thirty, leave it, it's John." And um, and, and so uh, you don't let her eat. Is what you're saying? Well, no, and she's like, she's like, "When is dinner?" And I'm like, "Oh, oh, dinner, dinner, right, right." right. I would have completely forgotten to eat dinner. Oh, absolutely. And, and she's like, you can't forget to eat dinner because I'm a child. Yeah. And children need dinner. And I'm like, right, children well, you need are, dinner. I, you are being very courageous. <laughs> and, and mom is like. Yeah, yeah for anything else, are there any like stable pantry goods you think that she might be able to have like as a treat? You know, the funny thing is, come at me, fools. The yes. Internet, the internet is dying. Oh, right? it's absolutely dying. The internet's dying. So no, you can't even, no, you don't even see people being mad anymore. Yeah, who, who, Nobody who's it. out there? I don't even think anybody's out there. Knock, knock, who's there? Nobody. Yeah. Come on, come on. What, what do you got? <laughs> and this, this emerges, this emerges after your father passes away. And I mean, just to put a fine point on it, and decades after your parents stopped being married. I'm yes. obviously still having a relationship for a variety of reasons. It was your father's second marriage. It was dad's second marriage. That's right. Okay. And, and so that was, I was, it's funny. Cause I was actually telling Billy about your mom a couple nights ago. I forget how it came up, but we were, we were, I was one thing we were talking about wasn't Y2K, but it was talking about like how basically programmers used to be women. Like if you've seen that movie, yeah. hidden figures, they yeah. called them calculators. It was the women that was not like, as in like, you know, your Texas instruments, but as in like, that was the name for women who did computing. Cause men didn't do that. Women did that. No. Cause that was typewriters. You know, there's a, there's typewriters. Typewriters. if there's a typewriter, a man doesn't do it, but I was talking about your mom and then I was, I was trying to like kind of piece it together. I wish I could remember how this came up, but he was pretty interested to hear it. And I was like, you know, John's mom, like was, was kind of in her way, kind of a big deal. Um, I mean, she's a big deal to me. Like yeah. she's in the mom hall of fame to me, like right next to my mother-in-law. But like, I was like, you know, she managed programmers at a time before, like then a few years later, like you wouldn't see as many women programmers after like the seventies. But like, I was, I was like, she was like, like a pretty big deal. And then I was, I was struggling to remember, maybe you can remind me, can, can you remind me like, what was the, if there was a period of acrimony or disagreement leading up to their separating, like what, when did that bad times start and then when did they separate if you could remind me just, well, you know, just for the story just because it helps me think about years what happened in what happened in computer programming was was precisely when engineering decided that computer programming belonged 
as an engineering discipline because there was a Instead moment. Is that something you learn at trade school, are you thinking? Well, mm-hmm. no. Be, be, um, instead of thinking of it as a logic job, right? Mm. It was a. It was logic was a liberal art, right? Logic oh, was yeah. a was a Greek discipline. It was a. It was. Uh, it was part of the philosophy department, and there was a moment on in universities where it was like, okay, computers. We actually need to do something here. Who wants it? And engineering and math said, we want it because it's numbers. And mom said, it has nothing to do with numbers. It has to do with logic. And logic has nothing to do with numbers. It's a, it's, it's a philosophy. It's a language. But math and, and engineering said, no, it's numbers and it belongs here. And that's when women started to be disincluded from computer programming because math and engineering were men. Yeah, and it, it in, feels almost like like one of those things. Like uh, another example from twenty years earlier might be World War II, where women very competently filled quote unquote filled in for men while they were gone. But then as soon as the men came back, like it was not an easy transition for anybody. But women were not encouraged to stay in the workforce, even part time. Right? I mean, it's like the war's over. Get back in the kitchen. Well, and what happened in my mom and dad's marriage was throughout the sixties. Right. There became the, you know, feminism became a, like a, a, an awareness, right? Yep. It was a thought technology. Yep. And my mom was way ahead of the curve on it because she was reading and she was in the. And Betty Friedan, like, uh, upset a lot of apple carts. She was in the mix, right? Yeah. And she and my dad had an absolute peer relationship in their, in their personal life. But what my dad wouldn't do was let her do the budget. Because the money... (laughs) That's so funny. It's funny for at least two reasons. Your mom should be doing the budget. And based on what you've told me, your father should not be anywhere near a budget. Nowhere near a budget. And when you going through all of his old boxes and finding his receipts and canceled checks and like the chaos, the dump of what you had to go through, it seems, doesn't it seem kind of especially funny that he would be adamant about being the one who does it? He's so ill-suited. It's the most hilarious thing. I mean, when I really finally learned... (laughs) That the problem was that my dad wouldn't just give his paychecks to her because she, if, if he had, we would own 11 million everything. <laughs> Instead of that timeshare you had to get him out of. <laughs> and so he, but he thought, listen, I'm the man and yeah, I yeah. have the, I make the money yeah. and there's no way that I'm going to let her Tell me what I can and cannot Especially buy. Especially however peer-like your relationship was at a certain point in the 70s, at, uh, owing in part to the long overdue need for women to be, you know, acknowledged as human beings, I think that led to ex- a lot of what you're talking about, which is like, I need to go, I see publicly this stuff happening and I need to reassert or assert a new kind of, not dominance, but like that I'm, I am the decider in this relationship. Well, and this was 1967, so there had never okay. been there had never been a question about who was the decider. It's just that my mom started to be rebellious, <laughs> and my dad was like, he would come home and he'd be like, "Look, I bought a Jaguar." 
And my mom is like, what are you talking about? We don't, A, we don't need a Jaguar. I hope you picked up eggs. You know, B, you bought a Jaguar, you know, two years ago, and that's why we can't afford this Jaguar now. And then three, and my dad's like, harumph, harumph, harumph. And then three days later, he'd come home and he'd say, I bought a real Jaguar, a cat in a cage. And my mom was like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, well, I'm the, I'm the guy. I said her name's Sandy. And the thing is, she is a depression era, very frugal. My dad was right that she would have been managing the shit out of the money. But what that would have meant was (laughs) that he wasn't buying Jaguars, right? That he wasn't coming home and like, oh, I invested in 74 acres of strawberry farms uh, because a guy told me that, you know, or, or one of my clients said that he couldn't pay me, but he could give me, uh, he could give me all this. I bet your dad got a lot of, uh, what they used to call tips. I bet he got a tip. Oh boy. I got a tip on a new Jag. He started four banks in his life. Your father started four banks? Four banks. Huh? He started four banks. Where, why, why? Yeah. It seems like a lot of work. Why did I not go to Yale? seems like you'd have to like make a lot of calls. If he had started those banks and then let my mom manage them. Fuck me gently. That would be, that's a, now see now that is he in retrospect, you know, at Monday morning quarterback or Monday yeah, afternoon that's quarterback. Right. I feel that way. Doesn't it seem like, boy, that, yeah, things, things could have been different. Well, so by 1971, my mom, who's also a brooder, like a, he, she's the dark part of the sunglasses. She yeah. was like, fuck this. I've had enough. I don't like being, uh, I don't like oh, not being I seen. See, I see. I see. And I see. I'm not going to live the rest of my life always in debt because David can't balance his checkbook because he's never even seen the checkbook ledger. He doesn't write anything down. He just comes home and he's like, I bought an airplane. And so, so which was, puts her in the position of that people in general don't like, and in my experience, women in particular do not like, which is being, be, finding yourself in a role where you're only, res- the only thing you can really do to exercise agency in your, your life is to react. Right. You, you don't get any agency to like, in the same way, it's like she got to design aspects of how the coding was done, I'm sure, or manage how that was done. And then her own life at any moment she could i'm guessing she could feel like the rug was pulled out from under her and that there was never any agency as long as your dad you know he's like he's like the 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 sort of the stereotypical woman who's like i can't be out of money i still have checks (laughs) well and she started coding because she was like this is my money i'm making this money so that i don't feel constantly like you're gonna sink the ship yeah and my dad was like what do you mean your money I no, you know, because because socially that was embarrassing to him. But without addressing the fact that it was always their money shared, right? Well, but she's not you're, she's yeah. not supposed to work because yeah, no yeah, other yeah. prominent lawyer in Seattle has a wife that works, and she just wanted to work so she could have her own money. But in order to get a bank account, she needed his approval. He gave it in to the sixties, in the seventies. Oh, but he had man. given her his his approval to get her own checking. That feels account. so like Little Women. Well, but that's why she was able to divorce him. She came mm. down to Seattle and she already had her own money, her own, her own bank account and her own credit. And so, Oh, that, if, okay. That is like, you're, you're going by that like parenthetically, but that is <laughs> no, in terms of like, not, not real politic, but in terms of reality, that's a yeah. very interesting angle on that was like, she finally had the, the, the resources and the wherewithal to like the infrastructure, if you like 
to say, well, no, specifically one reason I'm bouncing out of this is I need to have this kind of control because you don't. Well, that and also, and I have no, I have no window. Is she going to hear this? Is she going to hear this? I know she does. She can't listen to podcasts because it's a sound. If we, if we transcribed this, she would read it avidly and then she'd come over here and say, you didn't know, you don't have no idea what you're talking about. But I I bet she would run out, run out of red flare pen. What I can't right. know, what I can't know about her, big red pile, is how much she knew what she was doing when she established her own credit. She knew what she was doing, but a- how a- as much, in like how much she knew, as in like, well, haha. In retrospect, this will be step step one of eleven. No, because she was doing it because she needed to do it for her own self. Sure. But one of the reasons that divorce was so hard in 1971 was basically the woman needed permission from the man to even to even get divorced. And again, for for the younger folks, this is years before what became known as no fault divorce. Well, it was right right in right in the beginning. Well, California, right I think, had yeah, it early, California but like it, it used to be like you if you wanted a divorce, yeah, your husband had to agree to it and it had to be for cause. It usually had to be for like infidelity or something. It had to be for right. cause. But you couldn't get your own credit card yeah. it, unless he signed off on it. And so she comes down here, and you know, he's also a lawyer and knows every lawyer in Seattle. She comes down here, well, she's already got her own checking account, and it's full of money. So wh- who's going to do what? And that really blew everybody's mind, about right? In- including my dad's, because he was like, say what now? And <laughs> she just, you know, and I mean, we were poor. We were poor as fuck. Yeah. But she but, wasn't well, like, going like, to answer like, to anybody. But at least there's, this, I don't know, there's a me- an analogy that means a lot to me when talking about things. I, talk about, I think about ceilings and floors. And like, the thing is, though, if you're poor, you can be poor in a way that's not a bottomless floor way. Like if you're poor in a way you can manage, you have hope. It's the being poor in a way that you can't manage, which is what most poor people have. And we're saying poor, we're putting that probably a little strongly. My mom was the same way. Like you don't, you don't have security, you don't have confidence. You don't have all of those things. And like in my case, I never will just because of how I'm wired. But, but you, you were poor on your own terms Eventually. On her on her terms, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, why don't you just read that Nancy Drew book again? <laughs> but what what it meant for her as a depression baby was that she was she never felt secure, so she worked 70, 80 hour weeks, yeah, yeah because yeah. there was never enough cushion. No, and no. then one that's day war, there that's was. A, my, my grandparents were the same way. They were fighting that war. I was telling my kid yesterday that, or I was just telling him mad. I was watching something um, about Hitler, and they were talking about yeah. the depression. And I was like, my father was born the day before Wall Street crashed, <laughs> and I, I realized that, like, I, I mean, I was I was about to say, I, I said to her, I was like, wow, I know it wasn't all immediate, but like, I actually kind of was immediate. Like, yeah. I think within a couple days, that by Monday, like, people knew, oh, this is really bad, right? And and then they became what, what my mom and I used to laugh at. And then we call it, call everybody string savers. Like they're always saving everything. You can't throw that out. And it's like, well, if you've watched three kids on your block die of typhus and or starve or be evicted, like that is traumatic. Like I'm going to say the word, it is traumatic to watch that. And it is super traumatic for that to happen to you. And you, you have this Scarlett O'Hara right before the intermission, you know, as God is my witness, I'll never be hungry again. You have yeah. those moments, you imprint on that idea of like, there will never be enough plenty to make me feel safe ever again. Yeah. Yeah. And that made for a 
that made for a tough childhood. But then <laughs> everybody our age did have a tough, tough childhood. Um, and and by tough, I just mean <laughs> there was nobody there, and she was working a lot. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and so we were just like, I mean, I was out in the forest, and God, who knows what my sister was doing. Some kind of, I don't know, crazy shit, because here she is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah she must but have survived. I know what I was doing, yes. which was uh, digging under logs. <laughs> 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 